Hello, construction owners and executives. Welcome to the Ignite Construction Summit podcast. I'm Alan Haydorn, editor of Pavement Maintenance and Reconstruction Magazine and conference manager of the new Ignite Construction Summit, which will be held December 12th and 13th in Las Vegas. I'm here with one of the Ignite speakers, construction industry consultant Bart Gregg of Blue Collar University, and we're going to spend some time talking about Bart's view of the management world, particularly as it relates to blue collar workers. Welcome, Bart. Thanks for doing this. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate being uh, here. Appreciate being invited. We're looking forward to this. Um, so, Blue Collar University. Why that name? Where did that name come from? Well, let's let's go back about ten or eleven years, twelve years ago, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. At that time, I was just a little tiny uh, entity. Still, still am not. Um, but uh, to a certain degree, but I was struggling with where I wanted to go in business. And, and one of my mentors is Jim Horan, the best-selling author of the one-page business plan. And I meet with him right. quarterly. And uh, I, I was in Berkeley having lunch with him one day. We were walking to lunch. And I'll never forget, he stopped dead in the middle of 6th Avenue, 6th Street, on the double yellow line. And he turned to me and he said, I don't know why the heck you avoid working with the people that come from your background because at that time I was working with small businesses, accountants, typesetters, you know, those printing shops, those kinds of things. And he uh-huh. said, why are you avoiding working with, with people that come from your background? And I, it didn't take me but a second to say because, because my background's painful. Being a manager without training is painful. And he said, yeah, but you know how to fix that. And I thought about that, and my head's been able to work this way for quite some time. Later that night, the term blue-collar university just came to me, and mm-hmm. it was intuitively the right thing. And as I've talked to people about that, they say, I mean, they love they love it instinctively. If you ask them why, those that can answer will say, Blue collar, it's my background. A university means respect. I get you know, I have some training, some education, and people respect me. So I think that's right. Well, it fit, it certainly fits uh, head on in the construction industry. I mean, I think I think it's a great uh, a, a great company name. That's why I, I I wanted to ask you about it. Well, your your session at uh, at uh, Ignite is uh, called True North: uh, Revisit, Revisiting Your Management Past to Improve Your Leadership Future. Um, and I, I get that you know we're all the result of our past and the accumulations of our all of our experiences. But I'm wondering a little bit if you can explain how something, for example, on a job in in my past or or, any, or your past, um, is going to be important to you now, especially if at the time whatever was happening you didn't realize um, that was important. Um, okay. Um, I think. Well, let me say this. The the decisions we made in, our, in the past are having an impact on our lives and careers today and in the future. And those decisions that we're making today are going to impact our lives and careers in the future. And if I'd have had a mentor all along or somebody to stop me and explain to me what you're about to do is going to have a big impact in the future. You may not see it now. You may not recognize it now. But the decision you're about to make is going to have an impact in the future and and help me understand that, then I might have made a few 
decisions a little differently and been further ahead in we, life. We all might have made a few. We all might have made a few decisions <laughs> a little differently. I think. <laughs> right, right. But that being that being said, um, even uh, e- even though we, we make decisions that didn't turn that we thought were good at the time, but didn't turn out to be very very good actually. Um, they are part of who we are, and and if you stop and look at those decisions and say, uh, man, I really screwed up there, or e- even better are those to look at where I got away with something, right? And mm-hmm. you revisit that. Why did I get away with it, and what could I do to keep from having to get away from with it in the future? So, so it's pretty much a rec- it's pretty much a recognition. You know, as as you're ongoing and making decisions, that the decisions you make are going to have an impact one way or another in your future. But then also taking a look back at the decisions that you've made and how they impacted your future. It's, it works kind of both ways, right? It does. It does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, well, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Well, I was just I was just sitting here thinking about a client that I'm working with, the DOT Maritime Division. Uh, they they hired me to help them plan movement of a ship out of the one, one of the rivers out here in California. And some of the guys that have been there forever said, hey, we've moved 80 ships out here. What do we need to do this planning session for? But we did it, and there are a lot of great things that came out of it, one being that that the guys are, are now taking on this this idea of planning and making better decisions in the future. But one of the best things that happened was they had in their debrief session, the fleet manager sat them all down and said, "All right, what? Tell me what you learned." And there was there was a lot of silence. As I I wasn't at the meeting, but he said there was a lot of silence. But he let the held the pause and made them begin to talk. And finally, stuff started tumbled out. We got away with this. We could do better with that. And it's just one of those great examples of, you know, what did we get away with? It it went, everybody thought it went very smoothly. And then you sort of take a peek behind the curtain and you go, it went smoothly, but it could have gone either way in some cases. So that's one of those, I think, great examples of taking a look at, at past decisions and seeing how you can do better in the future. So do you do you, in your in your consulting work do you recommend that uh that virtually like on all projects or quarterly or something that there is a debrief session or or just when an on an as needed kind of basis? Well, it's a it's a it depends on the size of the project, the size of the company, the size of the division. Certainly quarterly wouldn't hurt to sit with the and in fact with some managers and supervisors I say sit with them monthly. Um, and say because if you if you've got an agreement with them on what their what their uh, uh, key accountabilities are, what's going to require to be for them in their position to be a success, and you have an agreement around that, then then you can sit down on a monthly basis and say, what are your numbers? What are we looking at? And what are they meaningful? What do we, what can we do to help you? And what do you need to step up and do? Or what do we need to change altogether? What did you get away with? And, and what do you need help with so that you're not always just getting away with things, if you will? So, yeah, certain, in some cases, monthly, quarterly was great, mm-hmm. semi-annually for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your book. Uh, your book's called "Their Managers Now What," um, and you suggest um, looking at management uh, as a partnership, and you kind of liken that to a, a three-legged stool. I think there's even a diagram in there of it. And I, I, I find the partnership aspect especially interesting. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about that and explain it and maybe how the stool fits in? Sure. The It's been my experience, my observation over the years, that great partnerships have three, they have many things that, that go well, but three key things. They're their agreement, accountability, and respect. And by agreement, it means the partners understand. They they sat down, had a conversation, and they agree, this is what we're going to do. This is what it looks like. This is how we're going to measure success. These are the objectives and the benchmarks. And we agree on who's responsible, responsible for what portion of whatever the job or company or uh, adventure happens to be. Mm-hmm. And so if you have an agreement, then the next part, accountability, becomes easier. Uh, there are two parts, two basic parts to agree to holding somebody accountable. The first is deciding to hold them accountable. And the second part is actually holding them accountable. And the de- if you have an agreement, the decision to hold them accountable, for me, comes pretty easily because... You can you can stop them in the hall. You can go in their office. Hey, I thought we agreed on this. Did I did I misread that? No, we 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 agreed. Okay, so having having a way to open the conversation about accountability, right? Um, and then respect. It's being able to sit down with your coworker, your peers, your partner, uh, whether it's at work or at home, and say. We need to talk about this in a respectful manner, not not let the emotions get control of the conversation. Certainly, they're going to be involved in it, but but not letting them get control of it. So you, you have the the three legs of a stool, as you, as you said. You have a, agreement, accountability, and respect. And if any one of those legs gets cut off, that stool is going to topple over very quickly. Interesting. So is, is in the agreement aspect of that, is there any negotiation involved between a manager and, and the people that he or she is managing? Or, is, I mean, there must be, yes. I guess that's where the respect comes in. Right, right. Yes, there is. Um, if if you have the manager of a manager working, you know, with their managers, pardon the repetition there, but um, people... People, by and large, want some say or some, the feeling that they have a say in what's going to happen, some control over their future. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, so... And I would think most people would agree with that. I, I think that's, yeah. Right. So as a manager, maybe not so much as a laborer, but as a manager, you want to have some feeling that uh, not only do you have the position, but you want to have some control over what that position does, some say over what it does. So if you're working in a good um, relationship with your boss, you're able to sit down and say, all right, what does it really look like for this position to be a success, and what do each of us have to do to to make that be a success? 
And so, so it's really it's, it's it kind of starts with a conversation almost. I mean, obviously the managers have some goals, just like the company has some goals, but the actual um, determining who's responsible for producing that uh, it becomes kind of a conversation. Right. Or yeah. Right. It should be yeah. A, yeah. Um, and it, you know, when you move people up off the tools out of the field into the into management or whatever. Um, we all want to be a manager until we are one, right? And then, oh, why did I bite that one off? But we came out of the field with, with we had ideas. Man, I could do so much better if I could just had had the authority to make them do this or do that or whatever. And often those uh, ideas are overlooked. They're not. They're not always valid. They're, or they're not always valid in in the company culture or program or whatever that might look like. But at least having a say, having the the ability to feel safe enough to say, "I have an idea," and have a discussion around that, mm-hmm. I think is key to helping well, them feel. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I, I, that that ties into another question I was going to ask you. Is you know I, I think you're right that people. Um, you know, they either want to be a manager or they think they can do it better than the man, the guy who's or woman who's managing them right now. And so, right. so in your in your estimation, why is it important that companies? Why do blue collar managers matter? Why is it important to have managers? Um, you know, from uh, from from that part of the business as opposed to from the you know the sales side or the accounting side or the engineering side. Well, a couple of things, and again, let's let's just clarify this. Let's why do why is it important to have the right blue collar manager? And of course, picking the right one is a whole other issue, right? But if you have the right blue collar manager, the first thing they are, uh, one of the first things they are, is a translator. They translate between the workforce and the people above them, and so they're the right manager understands that. They can say, okay, guys, I know we have a problem. I'm going to go back, and and they're also going to be an advocate. I'm going to go back to my boss, and we're going to have a conversation around this. And I'll get back to you. And the, and the answer may not be what we want to hear, but at least I'm going to try. And then he's got to go back and put it in terms that – sorry. That's what I was going to say. So are they a translator because they've been there and have done that work? Is that, is that why they're exactly. able to be that translator? Okay. Right. Right, okay. exactly. Uh-huh. So, but but they also have the ability to to, to speak in the language of the people up above them, right? And instead of saying just because that's the way I said it isn't it doesn't work either way up or down the food chain. Um, so be, having that ability, the communication, right, is the num- is one of the number one things, uh, very crucial to being uh, a manager and a leader. So. Mm-hmm. Being the translator is, is one of those. The second thing is intellectual capital, um, institutional knowledge, whatever you want to call it. These guys have a knowledge and awareness that people that haven't been in the field or on the tools don't have. I'm not going to say that they can't have. I've seen some great company owners and executives that, that, that really didn't come from the tools but respected their people enough and they understood enough to know to learn from them. But you move a guy off the tools into management and he's the right person or she is the right person. Let's not forget the women and how how essential they are to this business. 
Um, but the right manager and the right physician uh, has that knowledge, and and not only do they have the knowledge, they can coach their people. They can impart that knowledge. As our as the baby boomers, as our workforce ages, our knowledge is uh, can leave the the workforce earlier than we'd like it to. Um, Another this another thing that concerns me are some industries, for instance, the oil and gas industry, which is part of my background. Uh, when in the late 70s, early 80s, when that oil boom went bust, um, people shut shut things down for decades, and then when they tried to rebuild, as they rebuilt the industry, they found that people like myself had moved on. And so trying to find people with knowledge about the way things worked was very difficult. So, Yeah, the labor issue kind of today is kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, you have the younger people not wanting to get involved in the construction industry, and then you have the, the like you said, the baby boomers on their way out, and uh, so they're kind of it's, the industry is kind of getting squeezed from both ends. Exactly. Exactly. So keeping that knowledge around and uh, is, I think, mm-hmm. critical. Let me let me ask you one more question, and then we'll we'll call it a day here. But uh, and and maybe this is unfair. If 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 it is, just pass on it, and, <laughs> and we'll go on. But uh, what is what do you think is the single biggest factor uh, holding back the development of managers in the construction industry? Is there a single biggest factor? Um, it depends on the day. Depends on how I wake up or how you wake up. <laughs> I'm kidding there. Uh, I don't know that there is a single. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, yeah. Is it I think there's a lot of contractors out there who probably agree with you that the, there's a lot of people out there who probably agree with you that depends on the day. But go ahead. Right. It's, yeah. It depends on what's going on that day. Um, right. The. I think to answer that question, we have to look at it from two different viewpoints. One viewpoint being that of the manager themselves, and the, the other being their boss or you know leadership or whatever. And if you look at it from the manager's standpoint, the one that, that's just taking over the position, or I kind of jokingly say new or used managers, if you will, um, <laughs> yeah, when you look at it from their viewpoint, the biggest single think- factor holding them back is fear. Fear of embarrassment. Fear of being shamed. Fear of saying, I don't know how to do this, and I need help. And yet they're in a management position. And yet I'm in a management position because what they're scared of is going to their boss and saying, hey, I I don't know what to do here, and their boss saying, figure it out. I put you in that position to deal with it, deal with it. Well, that's a crapshoot on their boss's part. And so, you know. That kind of thing. Fear, fear of failure. So fear is the, the number one thing, I think, it, in there. It's not so cut and dried when you look at it from the boss's perspective. From the boss's perspective, I think the number one thing, and they may not even realize it, is they don't grasp that their new or used manager needs help. And They just hire them and kind of let them go? They hire them and let them go. 
That's that's changing yeah. in some industries. It's changing in some companies, but but for the most part, it's still that way. Hey, they're a great technician. People like them. I like them. I'm going to move them in this position, and off they go, and off they don't go. That doesn't mean well, all of them we can, fail. Uh, right. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, hopefully, we can we can uh, you know affect some of that change through this ignite conference that we're doing in December. But uh, listen, Bart, thanks so much for talking with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, by the way, good sure. luck on your upcoming book, cracking cracking the manager code. Uh, I'm sure we're going to appreciate some insight that. from that at ignite, at ignite in December. Yeah, we're looking for that. Should be okay. a good book. I enjoyed the first one. Um, okay. This has been Alan Hadorn for the Ignite Construction Summit. Uh, for a complete description of Bart's session, True North, revisit your management past to improve your leadership future, as well as other Ignite details, please visit www.igniteconstructionsummit.com.